If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd invite you to the book of Exodus once more, to the fourth chapter. The title of our message this morning is Moses on the Go. Moses on the Go. And as we read verses 18 through 31, I would like you to just notice or underline or highlight as we go through this passage, every time that the word go is used, it's kind of amazing that it's used as many times as it is. Exodus chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. And Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go. I pray thee, and return unto my brethren, which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons, and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God, in his hand. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. And she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. And the Lord said unto Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him in the mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. May the Lord bless the hearing of his word. Moses on the go. Well, this is a great change in Moses' life, isn't it? Because Moses has been on the stay for 40 years. And he had built up all these excuses in his mind and in his heart why that he couldn't be the deliverer. And hallelujah, last time we saw the Lord bring an end to all the excuses that Moses had. And it is wonderful in our lives. You know, we're all on a journey in our lives. Amen. We're all on a pilgrimage. We're strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And it is wonderful sometimes when we receive clarity from the Lord and we see the Lord open doors and open paths for us to go in and he sends us forth. How wonderful it must have been for the disciples before the Lord ascended for him to say to them, go ye into all the world and baptize and make disciples and teach them all the things that I have commanded you. What a great commission. What a great send-off for them. Well, God would have us to serve him in our pilgrimage. And here we see Moses on the go. He, and he's going to stay on the go, beloved, the rest of his uh, days until God buries him uh, somewhere around Mount Nebo. And so Moses was was, uh, was uh, commissioned by God to do this great work. And so we just want to look at some of the, the great things and, and to think about our own lives uh, 
as, as we also are people that are on pilgrimage, that are on mission for God. The first thing that I see here is how, how uh, astute that Moses was in dealing with his father-in-law, Jethro. Now, they had been together for a long time, for 40 years, and the connections ran deep. And I'm just wondering in Moses' mind if he's thinking back to the stories that he had heard about Jacob, his uh, forefather, one of the patriarchs. Remember, Jacob had a father-in-law. Do you all remember the story? Jacob had a father-in-law named Laban, and he also had received two wives, two of Laban's daughters. But Jacob, when Jacob got ready to leave, when he got ready to go back, as it were, he just left in the night. He just kind of left on the quiet, and, and he didn't make things right with his, with his father-in-law. And so uh, when Jethro found out, I mean, not Jethro. Jethro's in our story today. When Laban found out, and he, and he woke up, and he says, where's my son-in-law? Where's my grandchildren? Where's, where's my daughters? And where's my cattle? He got his men together, and he pursued Jacob, and he was, and he was hot. On his, on his trail, and it really even made uh, Jacob fearful. And so I love here how, how Moses uh, doesn't do that, but as God sent him forth, as God uh, was, was uh, calling him and sending him back to Egypt, this is the first point that I would like you to write down, is that Moses was able to go in peace. Moses was able to go in peace. You know, the scripture says, when a man's ways please the Lord. This is an amazing verse. When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. And part of what I want to encourage all of us in our lives to be very careful of is about burning bridges in our lives. You know, sometimes God does call us to do different things in our life, to go Maybe it's different jobs. Maybe um, you might have someday the Lord might lead you to live in a different area and go maybe even to a different church. There's just a lot of changes that can come into our lives. Y'all, can I get an amen? <laughs> a lot of changes can come into our lives that we never foresee. But what's so sad about some people is that you see everywhere they go, they don't go in peace. They, they burn bridges behind them so to such a degree that they can't even go back. Well, let me tell you, sometimes that can't be helped because it's not you that's going to burn the bridge. It's going to be the other people that burn, that burn the bridge. But I think you all know what I'm talking about. Jacob left his father-in-law in the wrong way. He, he tried to just burn the bridges. Thankfully, the Lord was merciful in that and and uh jeff and laban was the kind of man that still wanted that relationship with jacob and with his with his children and that that played out played out good but here moses was was very wise and it's very important in life not to burn bridges in our life because beloved bridges are hard to build and you never know you just never know in life when you're going to have to cross back over them and so i love the astuteness the wisdom the maturity that we see in moses moses kind of left egypt in a bad way but is it going to to turn out to be really wise in the story of moses and the children of israel that moses left midian in peace is it going to be wise it is isn't it because you all know that moses and the children of israel are going to going to come back to this very area, and they're going to need some friends, and they're going to need some help, and Moses is going to need some help, and guess who's going to come to Moses' aid to help him in Midian? But his father Jethro again. And so I think it's very beautiful here that, that God, God's call in our life, it does demand loyalty. You know, Jesus would, would tell people, if you don't hate your father, and mother, and your brother, and your sister, you're not worthy of me. Now, we know that that's kind of a hyperbole. Jesus is using a strong exaggeration there. 
He's not telling us to hate our families. But what he's saying is, is that the call of God and God's kingdom and our relationship with God, it must come first. It must come first before our marriage. It must come first before our children. It must come first before our natural family. But that does not mean that our natural families aren't important and that we shouldn't show great discretion and, and love in, in dealing with them, even regards to God's call and the changes that he makes and what God asks us to do in our lives sometimes. To go in peace. Isn't this wonderful that Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and, and he said unto them, let me go. He didn't say, I am going. Look at, look at the, the uh, humble, the humility. You know, it said that, that Moses was the meekest man on the earth. You know, that would, that would be a great challenge for every man to take up in this building today. Lord, make me one of the, if not the meekest, make me one of the meekest men on earth. And so he comes to his father-in-law. He could have just said, hey, I'm going. You know, I don't care what you say. You know, uh, I saw a, a burning bush and God spoke to me. And I have the rod of God and I can do all these uh, signs. But no. Look at, his, look at his heart. Look at the way that he approaches that. And I just want you to think about that just in your life, just in your relationships, in the circumstances uh, that you're in, to be humble, to be, to be meek like that. And he said, let me go, I pray thee, and return to my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And look at how God was working on the other end. And he said, and Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. It's a wonderful thing when, when you have lived in such a way and a great change is going to come maybe into your life, but you lived and you've, you've dealt with people and you've had the kind of spirit that even though, I don't think this was easy on Jethro, do y'all? Oh, I, I remember when uh, I told my mom and dad that I was moving to Mississippi. You know, the look on their face about broke my heart. Not that they didn't understand, not that, that they didn't know that that is what that I needed to do, but they didn't want to let me go. They didn't, they didn't want me to go. They didn't want me to go for themselves, for, for the church, for uh, the school uh, that I was teaching out. It was a hard transitional change uh, in, in my life, but they blessed me and, and they let me go uh, in peace. And, and that's an important thing on both ends. Don't you agree? Uh, for the person that's having to go and the, for the people that are having to let go, for it to be in that realm of peace. Go in peace. Let's look at another place uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, there are several times in the Bible where this phrase, go in peace, uh, is used. And each, each scene is very powerful. It's, a, it's just a great personal study if you ever want to take it up. In Acts chapter 16, I want you to, to see here in this as well. This is beautiful as well. Acts chapter 16, let's look at this. Um, we'll begin in verse 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, and he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And, it, and when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant, saying, Let those men, what? Y'all read it to me. Let those men... Go, right, this is Moses on the go, this is uh, uh, Paul and Silas on the go, and it said, and the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go, now therefore depart and what? And go in peace, and go in peace. Now, it was not going to be easy for Moses to go back, was it? It wasn't easy for Jacob to go back home. Do you remember that story? Uh, 
Jacob, uh, as he was traveling back uh, to deal with bridges that he had burned, he had really burned some bridges, especially with Esau, his brother. Remember, he, he sold him his birthright for a bowl of porridge. Then he went in there and he lied and he, and he stole of the blessing. And here, here Jacob is. You know, Jacob wasn't a good decision maker at this time. He had left Laban. He was going back home. Here Laban was pursuing him this way with a force. And then he heard that Esau was coming to meet him with a force this way. There was no peace to be found for Jacob. But here Moses finds a great deal of peace. He's going to be able to to go in peace and to go back. And and God challenges him here in our text. After he, he made peace with Jethro... Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go return unto Egypt. Go and return. I want you to go back. And to go back sometimes in our life is, is really hard. But God calls us to do that sometimes. And what's wonderful is that God gives us the faith. He gave Moses the faith and the strength to go back. It takes a lot of trust. And what's wonderful to know is that God can defeat all the enemies of our peace. Now, I know all of you are thinking about certain things in your life right now. You just got to. About circumstances or, or people or, or situations that you know at some point God might call you to revisit those things. Oh, I pray that when you face that, that you'll be able to go in peace. That you'll go with faith. It takes a lot of trust. But, but look at what God tells him. And gives him confidence in this. He said, I want you to go to return unto Egypt. But look at how God has worked things out. For all the men are dead which sought thy life. So here, Moses the excuse maker. Moses the stayer. Now becomes Moses the goer. Moses the one who finds the way. And so we, we rejoice to see this. Uh, that, that Moses took his wife and his sons. Here's the obedience. Here's the faith. He, you know, every journey begins with what? A first step. And here is Moses making that, that first step of faith and obedience. And he took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass. And he returned to the land of Egypt. And look at what he took with him. He took the rod of God in his hand. I wonder if you believe that that gave Moses a lot of confidence, a lot of strength to hear that promise of God. Look, those that were seeking your life, uh, those that would be the enemies of your peace, as you return and go back, they've all passed away. I've given you, I've made for you an open door to be able to go, and Moses not only to go, but to go in peace. Oh, beloved, may, may, the Lord, may the Lord bless us in our life to learn not to burn bridges in our life. May we realize that in our life that God's call does demand loyalty from us but, and that that loyalty to God even comes before our family, but that we, we need to be very wise and discreet in the way that we deal with those things there's just some very practical things from this story but it is amazing too before we move on to our next thought Moses after 40 years he's finally on on the go he's finally getting to feel oh I'm fulfilling the purpose that God had upon my life from when I was very young now it's taken a, a long time it's taken 40 years in Egypt and now 40 years he's 80 but he's finally on the go. He's, he's, he's taking his family. He's leaving in peace, and it's so good. And it's kind of neat if you just think about how this parallels also the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you remember, it's kind of a, the story is kind of a interchanged. Uh, it's, it's, they're kind of going, they're like ships passing in the night. Because you remember that Jesus, when he was young, had to flee to Egypt. And then he goes back uh, to Canaan, and, and that way, and, and Moses is going the other way. 
But you remember that God told Joseph by an angel, the people that were seeking the life of Jesus are dead, and now it's safe for you to go back. And so we have this, these parallels, these great parallels, always between Moses' life as the deliverer and Jesus' life as the true deliverer and the true redeemer. But, but just to know that sometimes when, and I want you all to think about those situations and be praying about those situations in your life, Lord, could I, could I go back? And, and some of those things that are, aren't the way that, that, you know, they should be in my life, you know, be looking for those times and moments when God is going to bless you to go back. And when you go back, beloved, go in peace. Go in peace and go with the rod of the Lord in your hand. Well, Moses is now on the go. And he is going to return to Egypt. But secondly, Moses returns with the message. And this is actually the message. The message is not let's stay but the message is actually what? Let's go, right? Oh, I, I love uh, in, uh, see my students, uh, some of them in our interventions and stuff that they've been struggling with. And, and then uh, I try to teach them how to do it. And then when they finally get a, a lot of them, uh, I'll see that they'll get the answer right. And, and you can see them, they'll be like, let's go, let's go. And I love to, to see that, that heart, that, that spirit. And so Moses is returning to Egypt, but Moses is not planning on staying in Egypt, is he? No, but he, he returns with the very message, we're getting out of here. God has something far better for all of us, for the family of God. And so Moses returns with the message, let's go. And it's in this message to me that I see the heart of the gospel. It's in this message that I really see the heart of of God toward us. Let my people go. Isn't that wonderful? That in the heart of God, in the heart of the gospel, and the gospel message is freedom for the people of God, freedom for you and I, freedom from fear of death, freedom uh, from, from the punishment of sin, freedom uh, from having to try to, to make ourselves good enough uh, for God. Let my people go. Uh, from all those things. Always remember that, that the book of Exodus, it is the journey of redemption. Well, always remember this in your redemption and in your walk and in your pilgrimage with God. God not only has redeemed you from something, but He has also redeemed you to something. So let's go. Let's go. As we hear this great message, turn with me to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 13. So Moses gets his family and, and he's leaving Midian. And the Lord said unto him, uh, when you go and you return to Egypt, you're going you're gonna to do these wonders before Pharaoh, but I'm going to harden his heart. And he's not going to want to let the people go. But you tell him to let my son go. Isn't that precious? How the Lord views his people, how he views you and I. As his children, oh, how great a father that we have. As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that, that fear him. And he wants us to be free. He wants us to be free to worship, to serve, to reach our full potential in Christ Jesus. And God lays the law down on Pharaoh. And he says, if you don't let him go, I'm going to take your first. He's my firstborn. And if you don't let him go, I'm going to take your firstborn son from you, and you're still going to let my people go. And he said, you tell him to let my people go. Well, here in Numbers 13, it is expressed in another beautiful way about, about let's go. Let's go. So you remember that uh, in the story, God's people finally make that exodus from Egypt. And they come across the wilderness through, through many different trials. They come up to the cusp, to the edge of the promised land, of, of that that God uh, had, had promised to them. And so Moses sends out the spies, right? And they come back and they, 
they tell about the land, they, they give a report, and the people say, let's don't go, right? <laughs> they said, uh, you know, it's just too much for us. They, they balked. They, they didn't have the faith. They didn't believe the message. But I love here what, what Caleb says. Look at this. This is Caleb. He's one of my heroes in the Bible. He was a true man who wholly followed the Lord. And this is the way that I want the men of the church to be in this, uh, the men of the church to be uh, in their families and in our generation. In verse 30, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us what? Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Uh, don't you love that heart? Don't you love that spirit? Let, let uh pray that, that the Lord would, would let that message resonate in your heart and, and in your life. Remember that Jesus has given us the command, go ye, not sit ye, right? We are need, to, need to be a people, Christianity, beloved, and the church is a movement. It's not a monument. So, Lord, help us to also be on the go, to have the message of let's go, let us go, the message of freedom. Now, like I said in this message, and back in our text, we see the heart of God for his, for his children, for his, for his people. He's not going to let them stay in bondage. But look at what he says about Pharaoh. He says that I will, verse 21, this is a hard thing for people who don't have understanding of God's sovereignty to deal with in the scripture. Now it says many things about uh, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. So the Bible says that God hardened his heart. And the Bible also says that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. So the, the truth is, is that both are true. You know, all that, that God has to do to harden a man's heart is to withdraw mercy from that man. If God withdraw, withdrew his mercy from any of us in here, our hearts would, would immediately uh, be, be hardened. And so, but what we, what we see and what I want us to get out of this, what I want out of this, is to see that the hard-hearted, write this down, the hard-hearted will always be in bondage even if they rule the world. Now, there was hardly anybody more powerful, worldly speaking, at this time than Pharaoh himself. But because of the hardness of his heart, I hope that all of you can see, is that he was the one that was in bondage the whole time. And so that's why, beloved, before the message of let my people go, before the message of come to Jesus Christ, will ever resonate in your heart and that you will be able to respond to that and say, Amen, let's go. There has to be a change of heart. A heart, the hard and stony heart has to be taken out and in it a heart of flesh, a heart that is changed, that can receive the message of freedom by faith and, and believe and follow the deliverer. Yes, indeed, Moses had to go back, but he wasn't planning on staying. And so we see that, that this God reiterates the message to him. Just listen to it again uh, back in our text. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand, but I will harness heart. God's a sovereign God isn't he? He will be gracious to whom he will be gracious. And he will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy. And whom he will, what? He hardeneth. Beloved, that is the truth of the gospel. People might not like that about God, but it's just true about God. And let God be true and every man a liar. The same sun that melts butter Hardens the clay. Hardens the clay. He said, I'm going to harden his heart.
that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Even saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. So here we have a great picture of God uh, talking about the physical redemption of the nation of Israel. But in in it is such a beautiful picture of our spiritual redemption. Because all of us were without hope and without God in the world. All stony hearted and hard hearted and under bondage as it were to sin and death and hell and and the devil. But isn't it wonderful that our father says the foundation of God standeth sure. The Lord what? He knoweth them that are his and he will say to every dear child of God that is in bondage, let them go. And no matter how fierce the bondage is, the hand of the bondman will have uh, to lay his hand and bring his hand off of the children of God. You know why? Because God said, you're my firstborn. You're my firstborn, and I am going to set you free. So do you need something to be thankful about for Thanksgiving? Be thankful for this, that the Lord considers you his firstborn. And just like they were in the the darkness, in bondage, in slavery in Egypt, and God sent the deliverer and the message of salvation and the message of deliverance, and even though the heart of the oppressor was so hard, God still broke that yoke and brought his people out and gave them freedom and blessing just as he has done for us spiritually. So this is the truth today for you to, and I to rejoice in, is that God's elect belong to him. Do you rejoice in that today? That you and I belong to God. God says, Andy, you're my firstborn. You're my firstborn, Brother Kevin. God says, you're my firstborn. All of his children belong to him. And this is the hope for us as preachers. When we proclaim the gospel, We know that the gospel has power. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It is that which, when received with meekness, is that engrafted word which is able to save the soul. It is that which brings life and immortality to light. God's elect belong to him. Beloved, secondly, he will set them free. There's no doubt about it. God is going to set his children free, and then they are going to serve him. Isn't that a wonderful truth for us to believe in and that we have to proclaim to a lost and dying world, let's go. Moses returns with the message. He returns and he comes back, but he's not planning on staying. Oh, beloved, join us in proclaiming the message, let's go. Well, thirdly, We have a strange interlude here in the story, don't we? This is a strange occurrence that happens at the end. And here we find uh, the parallel again with Jesus uh, and and Moses. uh, Here uh, with the parallel about, about the end. Just a neat parallel. But you can see why I had trouble finding a children's coloring page. (laughs) <laughs> for this sermon, there's no there's no coloring page uh, for uh, this interlude that we have here. So Moses is is on his way back, and it says that the Lord meets him, and it says in in the in the text that the Lord is going to take a life. Now, what's really hard, and and I've read all the commentators about it, and I even called my nephew who has a who has a um, a major in Hebrew, and I said, nephew, help me out in the Hebrew here. And he said, uh, Brother Nate, uh, I can't help you. <laughs> we don't really, we can't really tell if the Lord is talking about that he's going to kill Moses or if he's talking about that he's going to take the life of one of his sons because that Moses uh, had been disobedient uh, to the command of God for every Israelite son to be circumcised. But it's a strange interlude here, isn't it? He's on his way back, and it says that the angel of the Lord meets him. And it says that 
or, or the Lord meets him, and it's going to take his life. I really believe, if you just want my opinion about it, I would really believe that the scripture is, is showing that he's going to take the life of one of his sons, whichever son wasn't circumcised, because I just really doubt the Lord is going to kill Moses after he just raised him up, gave him the signs, and is sending him back uh, to, be, to be the deliverer. I really believe, and because of the action that Zipporah takes, uh, Zipporah realizes that her son's in danger, and, and evidently it was very clear to them why and so she immediately circumcises her son, and, and she um, says, you know, to Moses, basically, you're the head of this family. Uh, this is on you. You should have already taken care of this. And so it's just a very strange interlude here. But I think that it's a good lesson for us. This is our third point, that, there, that sometimes there are things that we must let go of that hinder us in our pilgrimage. Pilgrimage. We must let go of things that hinder our pilgrimage. We know that's true. We know Hebrews 12.1 tells us, seeing, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about, by what? So great a cloud of witnesses, right? Let us lay aside the sin and every weight and the sin that so easily besets us that we may what? That we may run our race with patience. And so we all know that, that we get entangled sometimes with things in this life. And so I see here that Moses was being hindered by covenant disobedience. He was, they were commanded by God to do this to your children. Go back to the book of Genesis chapter 17 so that, that we can read this and that, that we can understand. Hebrews I mean, not Hebrews, but Genesis chapter 17. And we'll begin in verse 11. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man-child in your generations, he that is born in the house, or brought with money, or any stranger which is not of thy seed, he that is born in thy house and he that is bought with money must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be what? Cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. And that's why I, I really believe Moses probably was obedient to God about Gershom Remember when he had Gershom, he said, I've been a stranger in a strange land, but he had another son named Eleazar. I believe, I believe that that's right. It's, I believe that's the name of the second son. Y'all might have to check me out on that. I believe that's who that is. And he apparently did not circumcise him for whatever reason. We don't know, but evidently it was very important to God because God said, if you don't circumcise him, I'm going to take his soul. Mm. One thing to my, to my brethren in here, may I say that God has called us as men to be leaders in our family. To be leaders in the church. And we must lead by example in our first flock. That's one of the, the great uh, instructions in finding men and ordaining men to the ministry is that you must first observe that they're able to rule their own house well, that their, their wives and their children are willing uh, to, to follow them and, and to obey them. Because the scripture says, if a man doesn't know how to rule in his own house, what? How shall he rule in the house of God? So I think uh, God is, is setting uh, Moses right in his priorities in his own family. He's saying, look, if you're going to go back and try to be a leader of this whole nation, how are you going to do that if they look and in your own family, uh, your own son isn't circumcised? So, thankfully, he had a wife that was on the go. She, she was uh, quick to respond in faith and do what Moses, it was Moses' responsibility. And Moses had failed in it. But thank God, 
Aren't we, brethren, when we do fail, when we have good wives uh, that will take up the slack for us? I say hallelujah to that. But may we not be accused of that. And so this is a very strange interlude here. So it says, It came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. But Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So, in this, in this beautiful year, so he let him go. Oh, the, the mercy and the long-suffering of God. You know, I'm sure that we would all say that we've all made a lot of mistakes as fathers, as, as parents. But I'm so thankful that, that the Lord is long-suffering and merciful and gives us opportunities to make things right. And here, Moses and, Zipp- Moses and Zipporah made things right, and God uh, held his, his hand away from taking the life of their child. I just, I just want you to understand how important things are to God, how serious God is about sacred things. Um, one of the things that I want you to realize is what, what circumcision symbolizes in regards to our salvation. One of, the, one of the articles of faith of our church here, one of the things that, that, we, that we even say has to identify an assembly or a group of believers as one of the true churches of God is that it has a regenerated and converted membership. That means that we don't, we don't receive anybody into our membership unless we are, are able, as best as humanly able to see, that God has done a work of grace in their lives. You, you must uh, have experienced eternal life in order to be a member uh, of, of the church. And so a lot of people, uh, especially our Presbyterian friends, they have tried to take circumcision in the Old Testament and, and say it is equal to baptism in, in the New Testament. But we believe that's a misapplication of the Scriptures because if you really dig deep, the thing that's, that circumcision symbolizes in salvation and in the New Testament is our regeneration. So I just want to go there and just look at that again so that we'll be reminded of that, about how important that that is. This was a thing of the flesh, but what we're talking about is a thing that is spiritual. Romans chapter 2, let's look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about this. And it's, and it's, very, it's an apparent, very important thing for us to understand as children of God, and that we should hold very loosely, I think, to the things of this world. That's what hinders so many people in their pilgrimage and as God calls them to do things in their life is that they get entangled with the affairs of this life and they let the things of this world hinder them from doing what God has called them to do so I'm challenging you challenging you to let that go just as God was calling Moses for whatever reason that that he didn't do this to to let that go here in Romans Chapter 2, look in verse 28. It says here, For he is not a Jew. This is someone that would be of the natural seed of Abraham. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. And so that's part of what regeneration is. It is that circumcision of the heart. It is the sign of the covenant that we are God's elect, that we are God's children. And there's there's nothing more important or less important than that when it occurs in our lives And so, beloved, let us rejoice today because our earthly fathers might would have failed us in this. If God had left it to our earthly fathers or parents to circumcise our hearts, they they might have failed. But do you know who has seen to it 
that the foreskin of our heart is cut away and that we are the children of God, God himself has seen to it that the, by the Spirit he will circumcise our heart and identify us as his children and that death will stay his hand from us because we have been circumcised. So just rejoice in that. And isn't that just a very strange interlude in, in the story there? The Bible is so full of mystery. And I, I'm sure that there might even be more there than I was able to, to dig out and bring out. But certainly a strange scene. So we get by that. And then our last go here and our last point, our fourth point. All God's children will go to the wilderness, but it is never their permanent home. All God's children will go to the wilderness, but it is never their permanent home. So, so he gets through this, this strange interlude at the end. And then in verse 28 in our text, oh, in verse 27, I mean, And the Lord said unto Aaron, here's now the Lord speaking. The Lord's been speaking to Moses, and now he speaks to Aaron. Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him in the mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded. So now they're going to go two by two, just like the uh, apostles. And they go back and they gather all the elders of the children of Israel. Remember how Moses, one of his excuses was, uh, they're not going to believe. And God said, they are going to believe. And don't, don't you rejoice in this, that here they are, they, they've taken those steps, they've laid aside the things that, that were hindering, they have the message of freedom, and they get there, and they begin to do what God has called them to do, and God blesses them with great success. Because it says that the people saw the signs, and they heard the message, and oh, their hearts rejoiced, and it said that they, that they worshiped God all God's children will go to the wilderness. Even Jesus had to go to the wilderness, didn't he? Do y'all remember after he was baptized by John the Baptist? And he had that great experience. Immediately the Spirit led him where? Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The word wilderness, the word wilderness is used in regards to the people and the children of God 293 times in the Bible. We really do not have a choice in the matter. It is, it is God is going to call us all into the wilderness. And the wilderness is just a symbolic of a place where, where God is going to meet with us and we are going to uh, learn lessons from the Lord and the Lord is going to prepare us for what he has to, us to do. In our lives, I know those of you that have uh, lived any time and have walked with God in pilgrimage any time, you know the truth of this, that there are wildernesses that God calls each of us to, but he meets us there and he teaches us there, and it's never going to be the permanent place that we stay. I was even thinking about this in regards to the book of Revelation. Just turn with me here just to get your minds your mind around this thought because this uh that's mentioned here in the book of revelation is symbolic of the church or of of the people of god and i and i thought about it when i was when i was um studying about this uh this is uh brother jeff will get to this pretty soon on wednesday night revelation chapter 12 beginning of verse 5 and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up into God and to his throne. And the woman, this is, is symbolic, spiritually symbolic of the church, the people of God, fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. It is often here in the wilderness that God's plan becomes clear to us. We learn from the wilderness, but we, we keep our eye and our longing for home. We know that when, after Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh, they tell him, let my people go. They bring all the signs 
and wonders upon Egypt, and they're finally allowed, and they go through the Red Sea. Where do they go, beloved? Into the what? Into the wilderness. Into the wilderness. And they, they go through the wilderness, and they get there, and we read that part. Caleb said, let's go right now uh, up into Canaan and conquer it. But the people were unbelieving, and they said, we won't go up. And so they had to spend 40 more years where? In the wilderness, the wilderness wanderings. And so all of us in here, Moses and Aaron, they go forth in the wilderness and they talk and they learn and God sends them. So learn from the wilderness in your life, but keep an eye and longing for, for home. So it just makes me rejoice to know as Moses and Aaron now have come from Midian and they've come across the wilderness here to this nation of people that have been in bondage for 400 years, people that have waited so long uh, for, for freedom and to be able to know God and to worship God uh, in a way that was unparalleled in, in their lives. Isn't it wonderful, I think, about the Song of Solomon where the shepherd comes to his love and he says, Arise, my love, my fair one. He, he says to her, Let's go. So that's going to be the most beautiful thing that you and I ever hear when this life is over and we've laid down to hear the Redeemer, our Deliverer, come and say that same thing to us. He said, Come, he's going to say, Come out of the wilderness of this world, come out of the wilderness of this grave come out of all bondage he's going to say to us let's go and beloved he's going to take us to be with him forever in paradise may the lord bless you and keep you as our prayer